0: Good morning. Glad you're here with us this morning. We have uh, some guests with us this morning that I would like to introduce to you. Harold and Deborah Bullock are here. They're over here. Would you all wave there? Harold is the pastor of Hope Church in Fort Worth, Texas, where we came out of this. They, they are the ones who launched Church in the Valley. Uh, I was trained there under Harold and. He's been my mentor for uh, a long time, 35-plus years or something. And we're really glad you're here. They're, they're here because their grandson is, is going to be baptized. This is not a normal time for a pastor to be away from his congregation, but uh, their grandson, Blake, is being baptized, who, since their daughter married my son, happens to be my grandson as well. So, <laughs> so that's kind of fun. Um, And we have Martha Morris here. Uh, Martha Moore is uh, the leader of the Connection Ministry in Europe, and we have sent trips to help out with different ones of the Connection Ministries uh, in, I believe it was 2014 now, uh, Cindy and I went and participated in a conference that she put on for different ministries, student ministries around Europe, and so she's here. Welcome, Martha. It's good to have you. And then they're not guests, but they happen to be in town, Randy and Crystal Paul and their son, Josiah. They're members of our congregation who work in Central Asia. But we're really glad you all are here with us today and can celebrate on this day. Uh, we, we are in the third week of a four-week message series uh, we've called God and Politics We're doing this series to uncover the perspective of scripture on God's involvement in the course of history. And and obviously that involves what's going on in politics and in the governments of nations and things. And we're particularly looking at a Christ follower's responsibility toward the government. What What is our role? What's our responsibility? The first week we looked at how God... Not princes or politicians should be the focus of our hope. And this is important to remember in an election year when there are all kinds of promises being made. So we need to remember to look beyond the politicians and the promises to God for our hope. Last week we looked at the importance of truth as a foundation in our republic, especially the way we're put together as a country There's a vital connection between God's absolute truth and the strength of our republic to be good for its people, for our government to do good by uh, the people in it. And to the extent that these things are aligned, the truth, the absolute truth, God's truth, and the way the government is setting up laws and policies, the people are helped. If they're aligned, people are really blessed by that. God's command... To authorities in government is to serve the good of the people under them. And he holds them accountable for this. Today, we're going to consider the privilege that we have in the U.S. to influence our government for good. And then we're going to consider the avenues of influence that we have available to us uh, that we can use uh, because of. The freedom we have to to influence that is given in our government. As I said last week, God always packages privilege with equal levels of responsibility and accountability. And so, since we have the privilege of influence, we as Christians should engage. But we typically take different approaches to engaging the world and the culture in which we, which we live, and I'm speaking of Christ followers through the centuries, last couple thousand years, uh, we we approach things different ways and we have different mindsets. And today we're trying to grab grab a hold of what God says about this. But when you decide to follow Christ, when you decide to give your life to Christ, your destiny changes, com- completely changes. Your eternity becomes different. You're now on your way to heaven, a place where you're going to experience fully what God meant life to be. In heaven, God will reign, will enjoy his kingdom under his rule. And since we have that promise of heaven, some believers take a simply passing through approach to engaging the world. We we live. We some some believers sort of hit the pause button and just we're waiting. We're in wait mode. Let's just wait. It's all going to be good later on. Can't wait for that. But I'm waiting (laughs) anyway, even though I'm all excited about that. So some believers hit the pause button on political involvement because, you know, this is this is not what it's all about. It's all about there and then. Our country has been considered a Christian nation. So, some adopt what one man calls a God and country, wrap the flag around the cross mentality toward politics. And in this approach, the United States and the Kingdom of God are hard to separate. It's hard to see the difference between the two. They're very close to the same. A person who adopts this view is shaken when it seems like the U.S. is veering away from Christian values on which it was founded. And it is disturbing to watch the slide, but to the extent that you mesh the two, you're, you're really shaken uh, more than you should be. For, for sure, God's rule is above any government. Our ultimate hope is God and our ultimate loyalty belongs to him and not any specific government over us. At the same time, God has placed us in our country for a purpose. He's put us here, and he expects us to do more than just wait it out for heaven, more than just hit the pause button and wait till everything's better. When you decide to follow Christ, you have eternal life. This means heaven is secure. And to the extent that you let him rule in your life, you experience a taste of eternity right here and now. But God wants us to use our influence to benefit the people around us and play a role so that others might be drawn toward the eternal life that he gives. He he always asks his people to share the good that he gives them. We're, we're We're intended, those who follow Christ, God's people, we're intended to be channels of God's love to others, not not reservoirs. You know, if if, if that, the Dead Sea and the Salt, salt and Sea, Salt and Sea's dying. Everything in it's dead, and the reason it is because it's locked. There's no, nothing flowing in or out of that. And if you just become a reservoir of all the blessings that God has given you, you it begins to stink. <laughs> and and it, it's not. We're not serving the purpose that God intends. There's a passage that clearly reveals what God expects for his people in relation to the world and society he puts them in. It's written by the prophet Jeremiah to the people of Israel. While they were in exile in Babylon, the exile in Babylon was discipline because they had turned away from following God and decided to follow other other gods. They had done. You know, God had done some miraculous things for them as a nation, to bring them out of Egypt, to set them up as a nation. And they turned their back on him, began to serve other gods. And he sent them to exile in Babylon. Now, the Babylonians, they were barbarians, and not the kind you see on the movies, you know, Conan, sort of like. And I I don't know, maybe a personable barbarian. (laughs) I'm not quite sure, you know in the in the fashion of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> um, so these these weren't the kind you see in the, the movies. These were the real thing. They were savage, brutal. Their way of life was polar opposite of the way of life God had been teaching Israel. They conquered the nation of Israel And brought them out of their land uh, to live in Babylon, which was very foreign to them and disgusting, frankly. To get a taste of what this might have felt like, imagine being kidnapped by a a Mexican drug cartel, taken to their town and living under their control. This is likely a taste of what it felt like for the Israelites in, in their situation, to which... Jeremiah, God has Jeremiah write this message, which gives us a tremendous amount of instruction for what he intends where we live. What we see in this passage is that God plants his people in nations to seek the good of the society in which they live. This is what you find. Look at Jeremiah 29. He doesn't tell them, hit the pause button, just wait till the exile's over. He says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I do not send them, declares the Lord. So God is saying to the, through the prophet to the people of Israel, Don't, don't check out and hit the pause button. Don't, don't do that. Live life. And live life in a way and seek to influence the city in which you live for the good of the people in that city. Seek, seek the welfare of the people there. Promote whatever is going to be ultimately good for the people in that city. Beyond that, pray to God and ask him to bless The the city. This benefits everybody. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you find your welfare. This is the instruction. In our country, we have the privilege to influence. And to seek the good of our country means to do everything we can to influence our government for good. Governments and their laws have a teaching function to the people in the society, in the go- underneath the government. And I would say a gatekeeper function. Laws and policies teach adults, and especially children, what's morally acceptable. I've heard it said often, you can't legislate or you shouldn't legislate morality. Actually, every law is tied to a moral stance of some kind. And so what happens is we set up laws and develop policies in our country and people decide, hey, hey, it's legal, so it must be okay. For example, if smoking were legal for people under 18, more young folks would try it. It, it opens the gate to testing it out and exploring in that way. When something harmful is legalized, this is what happens. People explore the path when they wouldn't otherwise explore that path. Christ followers should seek to influence government to establish and maintain laws that protect everyone. We need to vote for men and women who establish laws and policy That's good for the people and uphold what's truly just and righteous before God. This is one way that we, since the message series is God and politics, this is our application from that passage in Jeremiah. This is one way we seek the good of the people in our society. We aim to influence the government to create laws and set policy that is good For the people in the country. Now, to do this, we need to grow in discernment. As Christ followers, we need to understand uh, both God's sense of morality, what He says, His commands, His laws, and the moral implications of the laws that are being voted in, and the stances or the record of the people that we're voting for who are running for office. We need to see how those. Match up, So that that takes some work. This is a privilege we have to influence our government. So we then have the responsibility to do the work to understand where these things line up. Check out verses eight and nine. Do not let your prophets or your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them declares the Lord. God wants us to engage in the candidate's positions and their moral implications so we can vote for the good of our country and aim to influence it in other ways as well, beyond the vote. Last week I provided a handout that was sort of a starter kit. It was an extra handout, like a starter kit, on some of the key Issues, some of the hotter issues in our country, like uh, the sanctity of human life, uh, the definition of marriage, same-sex marriage, things like that, Uh, uh, protection of life. So uh, this, this was to get us launched at digging into the scripture to understand what God's saying about these issues. We, here at Church in the Valley, the Bible's our guide. And so we we go to the scripture to find out what he says about life. And we aim to be very careful to do what he says. That's that's why we do baptism the way we do. We're sharing in baptism today. And God says, uh, as you get into the New Testament, you find out baptism, the word actually means to dip under the water, to completely immerse and come out of it. And so we're very careful to do it that way. We take the trouble to set up the baptismal outside and get it all ready, and we're going to celebrate. Because baptism is uh, this, the, the celebration of the fact that people have given their lives to follow Christ. So we're celebrating it today with baptism. We're careful to do it the way God said in Scripture. So this is the this is the stance this is the approach we should take to understanding what's going on in our government. When the government establishes laws and policies that go against God's view on these things, people are more inclined to explore what brings harm to themselves and others. The gate is wide open. And so we have a responsibility. And as as Christ followers If we sever ties to absolute truth in our understanding of what Scripture says, relativism reigns, talked about that last week, and the church begins to mirror culture. It doesn't play the role that God designed for us to influence it for good. So this is crucial, what we're talking about here. So we need to engage. To seek the welfare of our country and, and when I started out when I was younger I, I was all over the map in my attitude toward politics. I sort of took the hey i can 't figure out what 's going on anyway, so why 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 bother but as god 's matured me and as i 've grown i 've realized this this is a key role that he put me here for <laughs> is to to get my mind around the issues and understand what God says about those and then aim to influence society for for the good, which as it lines up with his truth, it's going to be good for it. So we need to engage. If I were to ask, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to take a poll to find out how politically involved you are uh, here this morning, but if I were to take a poll, we would have various responses. Some of us read a lot of articles about candidates, policies. We watch our favorite news channel, try to gather what's going on uh, in, in the elections. We try to figure out where our country's heading. Uh, that's one step. Another step is to read things, check into articles, and post things on social media or talk about it with as many people as possible. Uh, then then there's some here who are just too busy for politics. Um, you may value being informed, some, but you don't want to talk about it or get too tangled up in any kind of debate. Jeremiah gave this command to seek the welfare of the place where you live. This is the way we love others. We seek to use our privilege of influence for the good of our nation. So here's some suggestions on how to influence government for good. First of all, vote. We, we have the right and privilege to vote in our country. And voting is a way to be engaged in helping set the direction of the country as we elect people for office. We need to vote our conf- conscience. For a Christ follower, this means knowing God's viewpoint on the issues. And allowing the Bible to inform and build our conscience ...and our convictions. We also need to know where a candidate aligns with the biblical worldview and where they diverge from it. You can look at a candidate's website and getting ready for this uh, message series. I checked out the candidates' websites just to see where they were at. I showed some quotes the very first week. Uh, But you can look and you can find out what their positions are on different issues. I'd encourage you to check those out. Procon.org is a nonpartisan website which looks at some of the important issues uh, of the election. And they aim, they try to be non-biased, uh, but very clearly show you where each candidate from each party lands on the different issues. On the back of the handout, there's 2016election.procon.org. You can check out and figure out the, the issues. Now, this, this isn't going to substitute for digging in and understanding what God says about all these issues. This is our responsibility to dig in. But this, this website uh, will help you to see where they stand on, on those issues, how maybe their record and things. And then a friend of mine is developing a website, politicalplumbline.com. It's on the back there as well. And he shows where candidates stand on the issues as well. He's only gotten to the Republican side. He intends to get to the Democratic side uh, as soon as possible. But he's doing this in his spare time, so he just hadn't got to it yet. There is no substitute for us as Christ followers to gaining an understanding of God's perspective ourselves. And... And and then find out where the candidates are, and these things help us do that. So we can't avoid taking responsibility ourselves or thinking for ourselves or grasping the truth for ourselves, but these are helpful for for gathering what's, what's going on. Another way to engage our government is to communicate with those who represent us. Since we live in a republic, we have a duty to communicate our views to government leaders with a goal to influence them for good. The Apostle Paul is a great example. He had, he had been arrested for sharing the gospel. He, was, he appealed to Rome, so he was in, in custody. And he, he went before uh, the Roman official Felix. And this is what happened in Acts 24. It says, after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. This is what Paul did. And he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I'll I'll summon you. Paul reasoned with Felix about righteousness, what's right before God, and self-control. And we aren't likely to meet our representatives. I see one of our congressmen every so often in the coffee shop. He comes. But that's that's unusual. We don't typically run into our representatives. But we need to know the issues, and we can contact them. We need to know what's right before God and set, set out to communicate with them uh, as they vote on laws and set policies in the key areas. There are some good organizations that help us keep track uh, of social and faith-based issues that come up. They'll notify you. They'll send you an email, notify you when things are going on. And they can even help you sign petitions and email representatives. They're also on the back of, of that handout. American Family Association, the website's there, Family Research Council, American Center for Law and Justice. Communicating with our leaders is a practical way. It's an avenue that we're able to express our concern, our our leaning on the issues with those over us. Another practical way to influence those around us is carry on reasonable conversations. Politics can bring up emotions that seem to come from nowhere, but they do come from somewhere, (laughs) I guarantee you. But if we talk about the issues in a gracious, well-informed, reasonable way, we build trust. We can share about God's view of things, which lines up with the way he's created life to work and a reasonable stance on an issue is compelling because as you get into God's understanding of things his perspective it's it's very reasonable because it matches the way we're made and the way he intended life to work so it's compelling but we we have to be willing to learn To be gracious, to get informed and be gracious in the way we approach this. A fourth way to influence the government for good is to step up or maintain involvement in church life. One of the primary ways Christ followers influence the world around us is to plug into a church community where God has placed you. And to work together to reach out and bless the city or the area in which we live. In the years ahead, a church committed to God's truth is going to be more and more important to provide a framework and a structure for the people in uh, in this country. Colossians 3 is a passage that I'm not going to quote it or look at it, but it says that in the church, the teaching and the admonishment or the encouragement, it needs to center on the word of God. And so what we should hear in, in church life is a constant soaking up of the truth that God's given. And this equips us, this helps us to create this uh, a framework since it's not necessarily in our government. And I mentioned the teaching gatekeeping function of government. Um, what God intends is for government to... Teach the people what is right and restrain what is evil. And the church now is more important to set that framework for the people involved, for the adults and for the kids. It's very important. Uh, It reinforces lifestyles and values and brings good, not harm. This is something we can do. The last key way to influence our government for good is to pray. Pray. We're we're commanded, as Christ followers, to pray for our leaders. Look at 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. This is a very clear command to pray for our leaders. In government, I'd like to ask you as we wrap up the message this morning, uh, I'd like to ask you to consider what, what are my next steps related to what's been shared, what the passages we've looked at and the things that I've mentioned. Uh, what, are, what are those next steps? Uh, there, there's a couple that I've suggested on the back of the handout there. The first one would be to ask God to show me if I need to change my attitude and approach to politics. Just check with God. Ask him to show you if that's something you need to do. And then a second next step would be to circle the ways to seek to influence the government for good. So circle the ways of influence to apply during this election season and do them. And then beyond the election season as well. You can look back on the handout. There are five ways that I've listed for seeking to influence for good. Uh, those things. And if you would, please take out your connection card, complete anything else that you haven't had an opportunity to complete on that, and maybe mark one of these next steps and drop it in the offering when the ushers come by. Uh, Join us next week. We're going to wrap up the series, and we're going to talk about how to respond after the vote. There's, there's a lot of guidance in Scripture on this. What if your guy doesn't get in office or your girl? <laughs> what, if, what, if, what if your man or woman don't end up getting elected? What do we do then? Where does that leave us? And so we're, we're going to look at that next week and the guidance God gives for that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth that we see in your word for the guidance it gives and the strength it provides for us to do what you've asked us to do. And I pray that, Lord, as we've looked at your desire for us to seek the good of the city and the country in which we live, help us to do that, Father. Help us to love with your kind of love and to really seek to influence our culture for good. We ask for this help in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.